The scripture today comes from Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Now when it was reported to Sanballat and Tobiah and to Jeshem the Arab and to the rest of our enemies that I had built the wall and that there was no gap left in it, though up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem said to me, saying, Come and let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come down to you? They sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Jeshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to this report, you wish to become their king. You have also set up prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you, there is a king in Judah. And now it will be reported to the king according to these words. So come, therefore, and let us confer together. Then I sent to him, saying, No such things as you say have been done, you inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now strengthen my hands. The word of God for the people of God. Have you ever had one of those moments when you set out to do one thing and before you know it, two hours passed and you have done everything else except the one thing you had originally set out to do? I don't know about you, church, but ever so often I find myself caught in this frustrating and what seems like an unexplainable predicament. I set out to do a specific thing and ended up doing something totally different or nothing at all. It may be that something that was long overdue like putting away the laundry or cleaning out a drawer or even doing my class assignment. Whatever the task is, I usually tell myself I'm going to do it first thing tomorrow. The next day comes and I prepare myself to get going with a task and as, I, as soon as I pick up the first piece of clothing to fold or remove the first outdated coupon from the drawer or type the first line of my assignment, the phone rings. It's my sister calling from Jamaica to tell me about a dream she had last night. Then she tells me she wants us to pray about the dream. Before we could begin praying, she says, you know, I should call my cousin in Columbus, Ohio, so she can join in the dream too. Then she does a three-way call, and once my cousin comes on the phone, it takes 15 minutes to discuss possibly what the dream could mean. 
And by the time we are finished praying, a good half an hour or 45 minutes had gone. And then I look on my phone and realize that my niece in New York had called while we were praying, so I called her back. And you see where this is going, right? And I talk with my niece for a while, and then by the time I'm done, I, I go into the kitchen to grab an apple, and I realize the bananas are overripe, so I said I'm going to peel them and freeze them so I can use them to make banana bread later. And then I go to the freezer to store away the bananas that I've peeled, and I realize that some of the things in the freezer are, have freezer burns, so I start cleaning out the freezer. And before you know it, two hours had passed, and I have not done what I'd set out to do. I think we have all had these experiences ever so often. We get distracted. We planned on doing one thing, but we end up doing something totally different or nothing at all. We didn't stay the course. You know, I, I call these kinds of distraction the it so happened that distraction. It so happened that while I was folding the laundry, my sister called from Jamaica. Or it, it so happened that while I went for an apple, I realized the bananas were overripe. There is nothing intentional behind them, but they can keep you off course. There are some other kinds of distraction, however, that are intentional and calculating. These distractions, they're devious, and they're done to prevent us from focusing on our goal. There are schemes put in place by persons who are seeking to take advantage of us while we are distracted. For example, there are certain strategies that shoplifters will use to get away with their crime. A group of them will go into a store and they'll split up, and two may go to one section and, and two stay at the other section, and the two who, who went to one section start making a commotion. And so the employees in the store and the customers will turn their eyes and, and look where the noise is coming from, while the other two who were over on the other side will grab some items from the store and run without anyone noticing. The noise was just a distraction. Just a few weeks ago, there was a fire at the Target store on Sydney Marcus Boulevard in Piedmont. Customers and employees ran out in panic, and the fire trucks and the ambulance came to the scene. The EMTs ensured that everybody had left the building to, to provide the safety that they needed. And after reviewing the video footage, they realized the fire was set by someone who wanted to steal from the store. The fire was just a distraction. While these distractions, these, these types of distractions are not always about stealing something physical from us, one thing is consistently true about them. If we are not determined, they will cause us to lose our focus. They will cause us not to stay on course. They will cause us to stop the important work that we are doing. You see, church, the aim of these kinds of distraction is to let you wear yourself out doing something else while losing sight of the goal that is before you. This morning, we are continuing our series, Rebuilding a Legacy, and we will look at how Nehemiah responded to distractions. We will see how he did not allow himself to get sidetracked by the devious schemes of his enemies, 
We will see how he did not allow them to turn away from focusing on what he had started doing, the important work that he was doing. We will see how Nehemiah instead focused, kept his eyes fixed on the prize, and worked to the end so that the walls of Jerusalem could be completed. We heard last week how Sambalat and Tobiah criticized Nehemiah fiercely. They criticized him because they didn't want to see the walls of Jerusalem being rebuilt. And it was to their advantage because they knew if the walls were not rebuilt, then the children, the people of Jerusalem could not live in safety. They would always be at the at the risk of being invaded or being, being outsmarted by the enemy nations that lived around them. And so when they heard the walls were going to be rebuilt, they got nervous, and so they started criticizing Nehemiah. And you heard some of the criticisms that they, they, they threw at, the, at, at him last week. They said something along the line like, oh, you are trying to rebuild the walls. I bet you they're not being rebuilt properly. If a fox goes on the walls, the walls will tumble down. We heard how they, they, they taunted, them, taunted him and, and jeered him and the others who were trying to rebuild the wall. And when the critics realized that their taunts and their, their, their jeers were not having the effect that they had hoped, they came up with another scheme. They came up with a plan to distract Nehemiah. So what did they do? They sent messages to him. You see, when the critics realize that the work is being continued, they get even more nervous. When they see that the good work is going on, they get even more afraid. And they realize that Nehemiah was not going to stop. They realize that their criticisms were not piercing his heart for him to just give up the work and walk away. And so Sambalat and Tobiah and others who joined them started a different approach. They decided we need to allow him to think that we want to be friends with him, to think that we have his interests at heart. And so they sent messages to Nehemiah saying, come on down, Nehemiah, let's have a conversation. Come on down, we want to talk with you, Nehemiah. And, and what I love about Nehemiah is how he made the main thing the main thing. Nehemiah responded to them saying, I am doing an important work, and so I do not have time to come on down and chat with you. Four different times they sent a message to Nehemiah to distract him. And four different times, Nehemiah sent back the same message. I am doing an important work, and I will not come down. Finally, when the messages will not work, they sent an open letter to him saying, we heard that you and the, the people of Jerusalem are trying to rebuild the wall so you can rebel against the king. Come, come, let us meet and talk about how we will, we will work this out so that it will not be believed and the king will not hear about this. But Nehemiah recognized their trickery. He recognized what they were doing. And he said to them, I'll call your bluff on it. No one said that. You're making it up. You see, 
What I love about Nehemiah is that he sets for us a great example of how to stay the course, to keep focus on what is important. So often, church, the enemy will try to distract us from what we should truly be focusing on as disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we are not careful, if we are not steadfast, we will forget the good work that we have started and focus on the distraction. But we can use the example of Nehemiah and stay the course. We can use his example and stay focused on what we had set out to do in the past. I read a story some time ago about Hank Aaron, the famous batter, and Yogi Berra, the pitcher of the New York Yankees. Both teams had made it to the World Series, and, and it is said that Yogi Berra was quick with his mouth. He was quick at making comments and trying to throw the batters off their task. And when Hank Aaron walked up to the mound to bat, Yogi Berra said to him, Hank, you're holding the bat wrong. You should hold it so you can see the name of the trademark. Hank did not respond to Yogi Berra, but stood at the mount, and when the pitcher threw the ball, Hank swung that bat and hit the ball all the way into the left, the left bleachers. And he ran around and touched base after base and got to home plate. And when he got to home plate, it is said he looked at Yogi Berra and said, Yogi, I came here to bat, not to read. <laughs> Ever so often, church, the enemy will come to us trying to throw us off of what we are supposed to be doing. Ever so often, the enemy will taunt us and jeer us and, and, and tell us that we should be doing something else or, or does something to cause us to turn our eyes away from what we should be focusing on. And if we are not careful, if we are not steadfast in keeping our eyes on the prize, we will be distracted. While we do not have a Sambalat and a Tobiah as our critics, make no mistake about it, St. Mark. There are persons today who are doing the same thing as Sambalat and Tobiah had done. Make no mistake about it, because even now, there are persons who are criticizing you for choosing love over fear. Make no mistake about it, St. Mark, there are persons who are pushing for churches to disaffiliate from the denomination because they think that you as a people should not be welcome into the body of Christ. Make no mistake about it, there are persons who are, are pushing, saying that the denomination has lost its ways and its Christian values because it allowed St. Mark to thrive and to be. They may not be Sambalat and Tobiah as we have read in Nehemiah, but they are there and they are they're trying to cause us to lose our focus. But this morning I encourage you, just like Sambalat and Tobiah, these critics will only gain their stance if we allow them to. Just like how Sambalat and Tobiah kept on going, these critics will not stop. But we have an example of how to keep on going. Nehemiah did not allow them to turn him away from what he was doing. He did not allow the messages that they sent to get to him for him to leave that work to go on down. Nehemiah said, I am doing an important work. We know the kind of work we're doing, St. Mark. 
The kind of work that allowed people like Sherry, as she had testified this morning, to come to this church and to know that she belongs here, that her family belongs here, that they have a place here, that they too are children of God. We know that we're doing a work that persons like Shella, who was not once included, now have a place here at St. Mark. We know what it's like when we have started a work where everyone, those who are oppressed, those who are marginalized, those who are left on the side of life, know that they too are loved by God. That's the reason I'm able to stand before you this morning as your first black senior pastor. You have started the work, and so the aim is to continue doing the good work that you have started. Do not stop. When others are saying that this should not be the case, when others are saying that you are not Christians, when others are saying all sorts of things and are trying to push so that you will not be welcomed into the body of Christ or into a denomination, keep on doing the important work that you are doing. This morning as I was getting ready to leave the house, it's kind of funny how the Holy Spirit keeps on going back and forth with me. And as I was getting ready to leave the house this, sermon, this morning, my sermon was already completed, and the Holy Spirit tapped my heart and said, the work that St. Mark has started is a good work, but there's a greater work ahead. And I paused as I was flat ironing my hair because I, I wanted to make sure I was hearing right. And the Holy Spirit repeated again, the work that St. Mark has done is a good work, but there is greater work ahead. And as I started thinking about it, I realized that there are still people in Midtown who do not know yet the love of God. There are still people in our community who do not yet know that God loves them, that they too are children of God, and that they too have a right to be in this place or in any church that calls on the name of Jesus Christ. There are still people in our neighborhood who yet have not experienced the radical welcome of the church and hear that, yes, you are a child of God and you are welcomed by God and you are loved by God and you have a place at the table. All of God's children have a place at the table. So while you have done a good work, St. Mark, do not get distracted. Do not lose your focus. Do not tell yourself that we have already done the work. There is greater work ahead for you to do. When I hear stories of the heyday of what St. Mark once was, I say good. But there are better days ahead. And the same God who called you, the same God who had created space in this church community for you, is the same God who now equips you to go out and be the difference and to allow others to know that they too belong. It's an important work that we have, St. Mark. We have no time for the critics. We have no time to get distracted. It's an important work that we are doing. And yes, while others may be leaving the denomination because they have one understanding of scripture, there are still people who do not know the love of God. There are still people who do not know that God loves them. There are still people who do not know that they belong that they're made in the image of God. There's a greater work to be done, St. Mark, and God has called you and equipped you to do that work.